This episode of the Sullivan and Son Behind the Bar podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at GoDaddy. And they're friends with Danica Patrick, which is cool because she's because she's really hot. So if you are thinking about starting a new website because maybe you want to do a Sullivan and Son fan site, or maybe you've got a small business idea, you want to sell something, show off your photography, uh, do your own podcast, GoDaddy is offering one new or one transfer of a .com for just $1.99 for the first year. Each new .com comes with a free instant page website and built-in photo album. So basically, it's uh, easy. It's not that hard. And look, who doesn't need a .com today? I have got CalebBacon.com. I recommend it. So to get your website started today, all you have to do is go to GoDaddy.com and enter the code SCHOOL at checkout. That's SCHOOL, S-C-H-O-O-L. Hey, Sullivan and Son fans. Don't forget that season two of Sullivan and Son is back all summer long, only on TBS. Thursday nights, 10 p.m., 9 p.m. Central, only on TBS. And don't forget to check out the Sullivan and Son crew doing stand-up comedy coming to your town. Go to SullivanandSonComedy.com. Upcoming dates include August 23rd in Honolulu, Hawaii, and August 24th in Kahului, Hawaii. Once again, go to SullivanandSonComedy.com for information on tickets and upcoming dates. Now enjoy the podcast. Hey guys, thank you all so much for your support of season two of Sullivan and Son. This is Caleb Bacon. I'm one of the writers on the show, and I great opportunity to host Sullivan and Son Behind the Bar, the podcast you're listening to now. So if you've missed any episodes from this season, do know that I got to interview some of your favorite actors from the show and some of the writers. So if you want more of Steve, Owen, Ahmed, Roy, Jack, Okja, Susan, Melanie, aka Mel Mel, go back and check out some previous podcast episodes. So in addition to being one of the writers on the show, I also have a podcast called Man School. And it's a show where I get to talk to different guys about some various life experiences they've had, whether it's especially difficult or interesting. And and some of the guys from Sullivan and Son have been on the show. So for you guys here listening to Sullivan and Son Behind the Bar, I'm going to give you two bonus episodes. This week is Roy Wood Jr., who plays Roy on the show, starting his comedy career all because he was facing some jail time for credit card fraud. And that doesn't make a lot of sense, because how would you go from jail time for credit card fraud to stand-up comedy? Well, he tells a story, and it's amazing, and it's about how he, you know, used to not play by the rules of life and society, and it pushed him in another direction, and thanks to that, we've got the fantastic comedy of Roy Wood Jr. And if you want more Sullivan and Son news and occasional behind-the-scenes giveaway, you can follow me on Twitter at Caleb Eats Bacon. C-A-L-E-B-E-A-T-S-B-A-C-O-N. Hopefully you see you all for season three. Thanks so much. Man School. Life from the men who have lived it. With your host, Caleb Bacon. Man School, Man School, Man School. Man School, Man School. With your Welcome to Man School. My name is Caleb Bacon. I'm a writer living in Los Angeles. And yeah, I'm technically the dean of Man School here, but I'm very much a student as well. Man School is a show where I talk to men about their defining life experiences and how the hell they got through them. This show is for men who want better lives and they want that journey to be fun. So my goal is to provide you with a show that's both inspiring and a good time. And here, my guests are life experts, men who've been there, men who speak from their own experience. And they're men who are willing to get honest and get real. It's life uncensored. 
I found that whether I'm doing this podcast or talking to another guy over a caffeinated beverage, this is my absolute favorite way to learn about life. Apologies to any of my college professors. I believe that when you're ready to become a better man, whatever that means for you, you'll find motivating change comes from just listening to the experiences of other men. And I know this works because when I finally wanted to make some major changes in my life, it was transformed from all the benefits I discovered in listening to other men tell me about them. I became a nicer guy. I found the professional success that I was having trouble getting to and a lot of healthy relationships, both with my male friends and girlfriends. Got help with my drinking problem, which by the way, when somebody says drinking problem, that's code word for it was really bad. And I became a lot more comfortable in my own skin and just basically got to like me a lot more. Today's class is with a life expert who was guilty of credit card fraud. Here's a little of what's coming up with Roy Wood Jr. I literally thought the knock at the door was the pizza I'd ordered. I opened the door and there's three Tallahassee police officers. There's another two banging on the back sliding patio door to come in the back side of the apartment. They all rush in. and I mean, they're coming in hot, full tact- tactical gear, all of this shit. And so they arrest me and my buddies and we all get hauled off to jail. Roy is one of my absolute favorite stand-ups. He's done all the late night shows. I first got introduced to Roy when he was on NBC's Last Comic Standing. I just thought the guy was hilarious. And now I'm lucky enough to work with him on the sitcom I write for, TBS's Sullivan and Son. Season 2 comes out June 13th, Thursdays, 10 o'clock. If you want to laugh, it's a lot of fun, and I recommend it. Roy is a buddy of mine, but and I knew he had had some troubles when he was uh, younger with credit card fraud, but I had no idea what an amazing story it was and how actually his committing crime getting caught and facing jail time how that led to his fantastic comedy career so definitely tune in till the end for this one a couple things here i want to give a shout out to itunes user ingrown big toenail who has the man school itunes review of the week i'm really excited about being a student of man school i find your discussions highly interesting i'm fascinated by the stories and instead of an apple i'm bringing you five stars thanks for that ingrown big toenail uh great name by the way but bad situation if that's true on your foot Hop on iTunes, leave some nice words, and if you want to follow his advice and give five stars, that only helps the show's visibility on iTunes, and that's that's good for everybody. Do that. I'll read my favorite one next week. Stay tuned at the end of the show for class takeaways, where I break down some of the things that helped Roy on his journey. And you can look for a new weekly episode of Man School every Wednesday on iTunes. Sit your radio for your smartphone, or you want to get another app, the Sideshow Network, which Man School is part of, has a great app that's free and features all the other great Sideshow Network podcasts. You can find this class's show notes, links, and more information on manschoolshow.com. And if you're wondering how can I shave my face for cheap and also support Manschool at the same time, let me tell you about the Dollar Shave Club. We all know getting a good shave can be a pain in the ass. From buying the expensive razors to not knowing why they have all these crazy bullshit features we don't even need to them being so expensive, well, that's where Dollar Shave Club comes in dollarshaveclub.com slash Caleb. Go there, sign up. You can get high-quality razors delivered to your door. They have cheaper ones. They have more expensive ones. And you'll be happy. It's good stuff. I use it myself. dollarshaveclub.com slash Caleb. It's cheaper. They mail you new blades. Thanks to all the Manschool listeners who've been signing up to Dollar Shave Club. There's a link you can click through on manschoolshow.com. But if you just go right to dollarshaveclub.com slash Caleb, C-A-L-E-B, you'll be supporting this show. Also making your life easier. If you love this show, you sign up for Dollar Shave Club, send me an email at manschoolshow at gmail.com. 
I will give you a call personally to thank you uh, or Skype, whatever's easier for you. DollarShaveClub.com slash Caleb. I wanted to read a, a fantastic tweet I got this week from at Kyle Federline. Hey, man, just wanted to say thanks for doing the podcast. I've had two really good conversations over the past week with other guys, and it does feel really good to just spill it out with what's going on or what has gone on in your life. Thanks again. Take it from at Kyle Federline. He knows what's up. Sharing your experiences make an impact, and I know a lot of guys don't like to talk about what's going on with them, but I know absolutely from my life, in both talking and listening, it's an important thing. So I encourage you to talk about what's going on with you at least one other guy in your life this week you don't have to speak about feelings just be honest and get real and in this interview with Roy Wood Jr. I think the honesty is flat out inspiring and now I bring you guilty of credit card fraud Roy Wood Jr. good to see you indeed we work together on the the hit sitcom Sullivan and Son yes we do coming to season two TBS Thursdays at 10 Eastern set your dvr so we get ratings and also watch in real time that would be good too yes as well have, have do parties. both unless you have one tv can i curse at yeah, these people yeah, who are listening listen to me you broke piece of shit get a second television now one of the things i like about you is that you're a genuinely nice guy i try to be oh uh, i mean but that's how I've, I've experienced you you think that's a fault in los angeles though i think that's like a i think that's gonna be my downfall no i think there's well i think there's a difference between being a pushover and being a you know cordial, courteous, gracious kind of guy. Yeah, sometimes I, I feel like I teeter between the two. I just think in this town, you just have to have some cutthroat assholeness about you. And then people respect you. I swear the next meeting I go into where I meet some suits begging for fucking student loan money, I'm going to just stand there and I'm just not even going to sit down. I'm just going to stare at them. Just, <laughs> so why did you call me here? Have a seat. No, I'm good right here. Let's make this quick. Listen, you've got opportunities. I've got bills. <laughs> Give me the fucking opportunity so I can get these bills paid. <laughs> Let me know how that goes. It won't go well. <laughs> now, one of the ways I know you used to pay your bills was uh, just from some crime. I don't know an easier way to put it. Yeah, do you know what, man? That's how I got into comedy, which sounds so crazy. Like, I don't have the typical, I don't know how to explain it. Like, every comic has this their genesis is something that I envy where it's, yeah, I just felt like I was funny and I was 15 and my mom gave me rides to the improv. And from there I just became a fucking phenom and I met Barry Katz and there's all <laughs> these great things. Have I, I was, uh, I was 19. I was still in college at uh, Florida A&M and me and my buddies, we were doing like, we were, this is how it started. It started with pay at the pump. And back in the late 90s, pay at the pump had just started. And you could get your receipt. And back in the days, man, before credit card fraud and identity theft became what it is now, back in the good old days of criminality, back in those days, they would still put, um, businesses would still put your full name on the um, credit card receipt. And you could see the card number and the expiration date. With your name, credit card number, and expiration date back in those days, you could fucking wreak havoc. So we would go to gas stations and just the receipt is just dangling in the wind off the pump. We'd rip that shit off and we would go and order pizzas. We would call Pizza Hut or whoever the fuck and we would order like 10 pizzas for delivery and we would use the card and they were like, all right, the driver's on the way. And we were like, 
okay. It was like this to, to your house, or would you try to be careful? Uh, to the dorms, to the dorms. We oh, okay. were staying in the dorms, so we would have like twenty pizzas delivered in one night, and I take the pizzas around campus and sell them. It's a fucking quality, you know, Pizza Hut large pizza. It's like fifteen dollars. Sell that shit for six dollars at a college? Do you know how rich I was? Like that? Because you're nineteen, you've never seen. Like I've never had more than. I don't think at any given time up until that point in my life, I'd ever had more than a hundred dollars in my pocket. What kind of guy and were you at that point in your life? I was a cool dude. I mean, it was a way to fit in. I, it was really, I wasn't a deviant kind of guy. I didn't make good grades in school, but I wasn't a class clown. I wasn't a behavioral problem. I'd only been in two fights still have only been in two fights in my life. So I wasn't a thug. I had both parents. It was just there was an adrenaline rush, man. Like there's a, and it takes someone who's committed crimes before to explain it. But there's a rush associated with that that I could only compare to stand up. Maybe I don't know auto racing. I've been skydiving twice. That ranks pretty high. It's definitely up there. It's all the same. But I mean, as a kid in Birmingham, Alabama, I was I was a bit of a nerd. People liked me, but I wasn't one of the cool kids. And, you know, I made decent grades, but I mean, I was, I graduated with a 2.2. So I don't know what the fuck, if you're on a four point system or a five point system, but it, like a low C, like the lowest possible, this is the lowest possible grade you can make and still graduate and go to college. See, standardized tests are the only reason I even got into a decent college like Florida a and You know, if you could have, you could have a shitty transcript but you crush on the ACT or the SAT, then you're like the fucking, they still go, all right, yeah, you just got issues. Oh, so the it, was a, it was a black college and you qualify in that department. Well, yeah, but even black colleges have gotten all picky about the type of black people that take. It's not just you're black. Come on. That's sure. That's community college, Caleb. That's what they do. I don't know anything but, about black colleges, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, that so you know, yeah, that was my upbringing, man. I I worked really hard in high school. I uh, I worked probably thirty hours a week, just you know, part time, helping to pay bills around the house, shit like that. So that's more the reason why my grades failed because we were trying to fucking keep lights on at the house, and I was trying to contribute. So when I got to college, and I could actually enjoy stuff that I never had access to before. Holy shit, man. It's a new world. When, so even though when you were in high school, you didn't have a lot of money, you were never interested in like, uh, maybe here's some kind of underhanded way I could get never, a few bucks. Never, never in a million years thought about st- I shoplifted once in the fourth grade and got caught. And never again. I, I'll never forget it. Century Plaza Mall. R.I.P. Century Plaza Mall. It's torn down in Birmingham now. KB Toys, there was a fucking space shuttle. One of these little bitty space shuttle toys. And this is, I don't know, the 80s, I guess. 88, 89. I remember KB Toys. 87, somewhere in there. And I fucking put that shit in my jacket. And my mom, mind you, is next door at Hallmark. So she's looking at her. I go, I'm going to go look at toys. I'll be right back. And I put, the, I put the fucking space shuttle in my jacket. And I go to walk out the door. And the lady just looks at me. She goes, put it back. <laughs> and I go, what? Like, I, I try to play it off. Like, whatever do you mean, cashier? Put it back. So I go and I just like lay it back on the shelf. She goes, that's not where it was. I said, put it back. She made me literally put it back on the same rack where all the space shuttles go. After that, that was that was it, man. 
So you're selling pizzas. You're eating pizzas. You're making some money. Well, see, it's the thing, rush. man. It was just some. It was just to get food, man. It was. There was no diabolical. Oh yeah, I'm gonna fucking. I gotta. I'm sick of being broke. I gotta fucking. Fix. It wasn't like the act one of some crime novel where the guys put their heads together to figure out a way to fucking. I was on a decent meal plan. I wasn't hungry. It was just, you know what? Let me see if we can get a free pizza off this fucking gas receipt that I got at this pump. And we did. And so we started ordering pizzas. And then I was like, fuck, man. If you could order a pizza, you should be able to order video games, right? We should try. All right. Was that your thought or somebody else? That was my thought. That was my thought. And I'm thinking, yeah. Because there's an evolution with crime. Like, you can start with one intention. And each thing leads to something else, to something else, to want to do more, to want to do more. It's how a guy who was selling a nickel sack of weed can get arrested for moving half a kilo of cocaine. Like, there's just a graduation. There's just a process that it just one thing starts inevitably leading to something else because you get greedy or you get bored or a little bit of both. So pizza turned into wings which turned into burgers which anything that could possibly be fucking delivered i ate like we just <laughs> <laughs> like You're hello, a food criminal hello taco bell yes yeah. we like, like hey just ignorant shit man fucking chick-fil-a party platters what the <laughs> what the fuck are you gonna do in a dorm with 200 chick-fil-a nuggets just there's no logic Caleb, like you make just, friends. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because I was in school out of state and I was around people who didn't know me. So you can be something new. You can be whatever you want to be. And You're the chicken school, man. I was the food dude. Literally. Food dude. Holla at food dude. Yeah. He's got some shit. You know, high school, middle school, people were cool with me, but I did not fit in. I wasn't an outcast, but I wasn't one of the cool kids. And now in college, I was one of the cool kids. And you know what? I fucking liked it. I fucking liked it. So food turned into material items. So it turned into mail ordering video games or clothing and then just selling it on campus for half price. That was kind of the evolution of it all because, you know, it's again, it's nothing. And I'm not I, I feel like I'm giving a fucking how to to. Well, li- OK, what year was this? This is 1998. You can never do this shit. Yeah, it's a little it, different. The, it's literally the way. The requirements for merchants now with billing addresses, the three digits on the back of the card, and then your card company is very, we see an unusual transaction. Did you fucking, nobody was fucking calling you. You had 400 party platters. Yeah. Yeah. Did you order 800 Chick-fil-A nuggets? (laughs) If so, tell us now so we can block this fucking ignorant kid. In the receipts you were taking. Don't don't have the numbers on it anymore. It's just your last four digits. Exactly. So it's the access we had. Oh, at this point, we were still in receipts. We were going to restaurants. Like, I mean, it was the Wild West, man. You could there was stacks of receipts by the register, like where you sign your credit card receipt or whatever. Because I mean, you got to ride around the gas pumps all day hoping that there's a fucking receipt in the wind. Because you can't just keep using one number over and over and over. Eventually, you kind of get flagged. If you go to a restaurant. Like, I don't know, it's just for example, for the sake of argument, let's just say a Denny's or a Shoney's or some shithole. You go there and you pay for your food. The cashier turns her head or she goes in the back, back to get you a go box. You take nine or ten receipts off the stack by the register. You got ten new card numbers to work with. So we will order stuff. 
you could have stuff delivered. And this is one of the advantages. I don't know if this is an advantage to being black or a fucking... I, know, I used it to my advantage, but I had items delivered to the roughest parts of town. And in Tallahassee, there's not a lot. Like it's We're talking about a city that at the time was clocking eight murders a year. It's not... And you can still get your ass whooped, but if you get murdered, you, you probably had it coming. There was some, you were doing some shit you weren't supposed to be doing. So in those days, I would deliver stuff to the most dangerous parts of town, sit there, wait for the driver to come. Of course, the driver's nervous because it's the ghetto. So you come up with a 20 in your hand and you're tipping the guy and he's just fucking happy. to do. Who the fuck tips the UPS <laughs> yeah. guy? So... It instantly disarms him, and he's thinking less about asking me for a fucking ID to verify. You can't even do that now with UPS. Like you, like now, you literally have to be inside the resident or show them. Like you can't just stand in front of a fucking building and intercept a package and go, "Yeah, that's me," which is essentially what we were doing. Oh, is that going up to two hundred three? Yeah, that's mine. Thanks. I'll sign. Thanks. Bye bye now. But were you like, uh, "Yeah, I'm Susie Johnson." Well, we, you'd gift it with a different name or some fuck shit like that. Oh, okay. and, and we we and we tinker. This was funny though, man. Like when you're dealing with like criminal bullshit like that, man, you start like meeting other criminals. Like it's like any other job. Like <laughs> <laughs> like it's fucked up. If you're a firefighter long enough, you're gonna meet some other paramedics and cops and lawyers. Like you're just gonna meet other people that are in that in that world. There's overlap. So I started meeting guys who made fake IDs. I met dope boys. I mean, I met guys who were doing some really fucking heavy shit, man. And and they're trying to get me to order shit that, like, I need you to order me 30 Slim Jims. Or, like, there was some device. You remember Viper car alarms? Yeah. There was a device. Like, apparently, there's, like, auto dealerships have these keys that can go to, like, multiple models of the car or whatever. I don't Skeleton key or some shit. It's... There's a car key that exists that can open every Camry or every 2002 Camry or every two, uh, whatever the fuck. Those are for sale on the Internet, supposedly, at the time. And so they're like, yeah, I need you to order 30 of those. I'm like, <laughs> Bitch, I'm not going to fucking stay. If you want pizza or the next version of John Madden football, come holler at me. But <laughs> I'm not fucking ordering drug trafficking and car theft equipment. Welcome to Man School. No boring how-tos and no so-called experts. On Twitter, use hashtag ManSchool to talk about the show. Subscribe for free on iTunes. Search ManSchool. Like ManSchool on Facebook. Facebook.com slash ManSchoolShow. Like websites, try ManSchoolShow.com. Call the Man School voicemail, 323-638-9626. Shit was going good, man. It was it was going good. I got a work study at the post office, and that's where shit kind of like went south because I don't have to take receipts from a fucking cash register to use. I'm in the post office, in a college post office, where credit card companies prey upon students to fill out credit card applications. So why bother taking a receipt when I could take the actual fucking card? 
So that's where shit went south. So you just feel the envelope, or you see if there's a card in there. Yeah, it, it, most cards are only coming from a couple of cities that, that are usable. It's either Delaware or Charlotte. In those days, you knew, all right, Discover or whoever the fuck, that's Northeast. If it's Chase or somebody like that, it's probably Charlotte, and or it's Belk, or I think at the time it was Parisians or whatever the fuck department store. But like, you knew it was something. So sometimes you guess wrong and it's something you didn't want to deal with. But for the most part, we just dealt with department store cards. So here's how I got here's how we got caught. So I take a Dillard's card and we go and we buy a bunch of clothes at Dillard's. The chick that rings us up starts charging us less for the the clothing in theory to leave us more room on the card. She was in on the whole thing. Okay. So we explained to her what's going on. So now we have somebody on the inside, which just for the record, if you're thinking about starting your criminal fucking empire, I think when it comes to crime and you see it a lot in movies, women only work well with other women. <laughs> There's just something about when once you add away and it's not, I'm not trying to be misogynist. I don't give a fuck if you think I am. It's just when you have one, I would never do it again. If I could do it again, I wouldn't fucking just. But so it was her idea to charge. Yeah. yeah. We're still in cards, bitch. We don't need. I don't need you giving me a discount. It's not <laughs> my money. <laughs> you save 20% on that Tommy girl sweater. So long story short, she undercharges us for the merch. She gets caught for doing that. They pinch her. So then the cops come and arrest us a couple of hours later. We're at the house. We got all the fucking clothes laid out in the living room. Like, You're like it, in the warehouse. Basically. Yeah. Like it's it's fucking insane, dude. So we get arrested and Grand Theft Retail, credit card fraud for you know what's so fucked up about the legal system is that you could get arrested really for one thing. They're really only coming to get you for one thing. But then they tack on forty other crimes to get you to confess to the one thing. So what was that for you? What they tack it's, on? It's like, all right, it's Grand Theft Retail. If you take any item, um, state of Florida, I believe it's over, I believe it's, uh, over uh, $500. It's Grand Theft. Anything under 500 is petty theft. So it's Grand Theft because you have more than $500 worth of clothing. And then it's credit card fraud because you fraudulently used a card that wasn't yours to steal the stuff. Then it's forgery because you signed someone else's name on the credit card. You signed the name of the card holder. Then it's uttering because you passed off a forged document. Uttering is the crime of presenting a forged document, some shit, whatever. Can't that just all be under the credit card fraud umbrella? What was that like when the cops come for you? Did you you feel like that was a possibility even? No, fuck no. We we were two years. We were two years scot-free at that point. I literally thought the knock at the door was the pizza I'd ordered, which ironically I ordered legit that night. It was just so fucking crazy. I opened the door and it's three Tallahassee police officers. There's another two banging on the back sliding patio door to come in the backside of the apartment. They all rush in. and I mean, they're coming in hot, like full tact- tactical gear, all of this shit. And so they arrest me and my buddies, well, my roommates or rather, and we all get hauled off to jail. We all get off on our own recognizance. But then 
I get rearrested. I don't know if that's a word. Arrested again. I get arrested again a couple of weeks later. Once they start doing their due diligence in the investigation, they go, all right, these guys used a credit card and we were all charged with the same stuff. But the difference for me was, oh, well, how did they get the credit card? Well, the cardholder said that it was addressed to the Florida A&M post office. Well, out of all of the defendants, who works at the post <laughs> office? Roy. Great. That means he stole it. So we need to issue a new warrant for mail theft. And they came and they arrested me again. So you didn't even know they were coming? No. The second time, I, I definitely didn't know. I just thought this was, all right, yeah, you caught me with a card. Cool. But in the course of the investigation, they go, oh, shit, we need to fucking charge you with some more shit because you were doing extra shit. You lied. Because, of course, they asked where I got the car and I just found it. But, you know, when they're coming to arrest you that night, they don't have enough fucking time to fucking. It's not like 24 where Jack Bauer can fucking call Chloe at CTU and fucking get all the info. So that was when I really got depressed because that's a fucking federal charge, man. You know, when you get arrested the first time and you've never done anything in your life and you're in college and my grades were okay, I wasn't facing jail time for any of that stuff. But the mail theft? Yeah. They were talking five years. At this point, we're no we're Thanksgiving of ninety eight at this point. And we started all of this shit in ninety six, late ninety six. So it's Thanksgiving ninety eight. I'm in jail. I spent Thanksgiving in jail. I'll never forget that shit, man. And it was like three, four days because when you're arrested on relate, when you get arrested on a holiday, I got arrested the night before Thanksgiving. When you get arrested on a holiday week, they're not in a rush to give you an arraignment. So you get Wednesday, you get Thursday, Friday, they ran like a skeleton crew. And I got in at like 430 on a Friday or so and was able to get out and post bond or whatever. The depression of it, because I'd fucked myself because when they come back, to arrest me for mail theft, it pretty much meant that I had no way to even weasel my way out of the state charges, all the credit card, all that, like that shit's nothing. And so then you get a court appointed attorney, which a court appointed attorney could give a fuck. No one wants to do that. No one wants to, like, if you're an intern, I don't even want to call it an internship because I don't want to insult real court appointed attorneys who give a fuck, but there's a great deal of them that don't give a fuck that you would not get you'd get a higher level of give a fuck if you paid somebody ten thousand dollar retainer and they actually wanted to work for you but for most court appointments you're just another fucking piece of paper on their on their desk did you have any money though to actually get a lawyer i'd used it all on the first charge oh okay so my mom at shot her wide retaining a lawyer for the state charges weren't anticipating getting arrested again so at that point it's like i had no choice but to roll with a court appointment and he told me some shit, man. And this, this, this is what this was like where my life started turning. This is December of '98. No, I'm sorry. This is January of '98. I went home for Christmas or whatever, and I'm facing five years in prison. My sentencing is in June, so I've made the decision with the lawyer to to plead guilty to mail theft, and they're going to drop all of the state charges they won't pursue prosecution on any of the state charges if you confess to this federal crime so i go all right we'll do that there's no point in dragging this out i go i'll plead out i know i'm facing five years but i'm a student and i am a good person and i have never before in my life no 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 my friend that only works at the state level the government could give a fuck so 
my quarter point goes, he goes like, yeah, you know, and this is what infuriated me. It was the, it was the level calmness with which he was discussing my fucking life to me. Like he was talking about it to somebody else. He goes, yeah, you know, you're facing five. They'll probably give you three overcrowding. You might do 18 months. Good behavior. You'll be out in a year. You got a lot of time ahead of you, pal. You're only 19. You're 19, pal. Patted me on the shoulder and goes, it's just a year. Bitch, I don't want to go at all. <laughs> so a year is not what I want to hear. And we're sitting in the office and he goes, uh, he goes, well, you know, Roy, I think now would be a good time for you to consider the fact that in June you will be going to jail for a year. The best thing for you to do in the meantime, I'll never forget these words. He said, tie up any loose ends you have in your life. And that shit fucking hit me like a ton of bricks. He was like, yeah, just tie up any loose ends you have in your life. And um, yeah, see you in June at the sentencing. So at that point, it's get him to cop to the plea and get this paperwork off my desk. So he told me what he expected to happen. So I took that at face value. So I go, fuck it. I'm going to prison. All right. So I'm going to prison. Uh, so I, I got I got really depressed. I really depressed about it. Oh, here's the, here's the best part. Now that I've been busted, operation shut down, nobody's fucking with me anymore. So now I'm not a source for anything. Then on top of that, the criminals that I was cool with and the people that, you know, just the honor amongst thieves, you can't hang with me anymore because right. you don't know if I'm if I'm snitching or wearing a wire. I mean, it's not as deep as the dope game, but still, if you're Mr. Fake ID, like the guy I knew over at Florida State who was running fake IDs, like I sent him a text and he just goes, I don't know you, bro. Who is this? Like just hmm. I, to this day, I don't know how he found out I got arrested. I don't know who told him. I'm sure where it travels or whatever, you know. But so you're depressed and you're lonely. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Because I can't talk to my roommates anymore because they're co-defendants and they're testifying against me. Oh, so you literally can't talk to them. Yeah, yeah. because they, because in their statements, they they eyeballed me as the ringleader of the whole operation because they still had their state charges that they were dealing with. So they couldn't, none of the co-defendants can cohort with each other and all of that shit, but we still fucking live together and pay rent. But I can't fucking interact with you. I mean, it's base level. Hey, dude, the cable bill is due. Hey, dude, have you seen my shoes? But drinking socializing all the stuff we used to do man that shit was old news and it was old news fast i mean i got back to tallahassee from christmas break january 3rd or 4th i met my lawyer on the 7th went in and signed the plea deal and that was a wrap man what did tie up loose ends mean to you pay bills withdraw from school break off social ties just basically prepare for this transition into jail or whatever. And I don't know completely what he meant. Maybe that's something that more adults have to deal with that they had employment and stuff like that. I just remember him to, I just remember when he said that, that was when it first sank in. That was when I really got it. I was like, fuck, I fucked up and I had nothing to show for it. That's the fucking crazy thing. I easily on the low end, Twenty thousand dollars worth of commerce crossed my hands over the course of a year and a half, which at seventeen and eighteen years old is fucking unheard of. It's, I mean, maybe it is, but 
for me, that was crazy considering that I never in my life had more than 30, 40 bucks in my pocket at any given time. Yeah, you're going to be working a job where you make six, seven bucks an hour anyway. Yeah, I mean, even when I was working at Subway and stealing from the register, I mean, $60. But I, I just, I never, I never heard those words before. It's like, yeah, you're going to jail. But you'll do a year, maybe a year and a half, assuming they give you the five-year max. I go, all right, cool. So before sentencing, two things happens. One, the court allows you to give them a list of people who fucking basically vouch for you and say nice shit. So the character references or whatever. So I list a bunch of people down and that all goes into building the assessment of what kind of sentence they should give me. There's that element. And then there's also the, so what the fuck have you been up to in the past six months between now and sentencing? So I have to live a decent life. So I had to go find employment. So I started working at Golden Corral. Which is like a Sizzler, Ponderosa kind of place. Yeah, exactly. Buffet, fucking whatever. Yeah, exactly. So I started working at Golden Corral. It's still January. I get, I like, I'm literally not talking to anybody. I'm only talking to, there's one chick at work that I talked to. We end up dating. Like, it was, I just had no friends. I had no friends. I'm on campus, but I'm like, I'm just in a, a zone. You ever seen those Spike Lee movies where he does those shots of people just floating down the street? It just mm-hmm. looks like they're floating and nothing else is going. They're just like they're in a fucking stupor. That's how I was mentally during those days. I go, fuck it, man. I'm going to fucking do anything I wanted to do. And me and this chick, uh, the Golden Corral in Tallahassee, it's right across the street from Lake Ella, downtown, beautiful little you know, city lake or whatever, city park. And there was a little fucking shop in there, man. I'll never forget this shit. There was a little fucking, was a little trinket incense fucking places. And there was a flyer on the wall for comedy. There's a group called the Comedy Collage. And are doing stand-up. I go, all right, you know what? I've always wanted to try comedy. And, you know, I'd always watched stand-up. I used to study comedians on Comedy Central. I used to... I had like a little one-man radio show thing I used to do when I was in middle school. I'd always had, I'd always felt drawn to comedians. And then there was a local guy, Ricky Smiley, who started hosting BET's Comic View. Uh, Well, no, he wasn't hosting. He was like one of the breakout comedians on Comic View at the time. And he was from Birmingham. And that lit my fire. Like that just fucking, he's from where I'm from. He's on cable. Because when you grow up in Alabama, you're taught to believe that Everyone tells you you ain't shit and that where you're from doesn't matter. And because of where you're from, you can never go to anywhere you're trying to ascend to. So, well, you're not from New York. You're not in Chicago. You're not in L.A. You can never be on television. You you have nothing to offer. You're just a fucking Alabamian. But this dude fucking broke that mold for me. So in my brain, I'm like, fuck, this Ricky Smiley guy is fucking good. And he's from the fucking north side. Oh, shit. Uh, great. But I was too busy fucking selling PlayStation games to (laughs) do campus talent shows and shit. So I see the flyer. I decide to go to the open mic. I miss the open mic. I go back to Birmingham. I actually sneak back to Birmingham. And I do an open mic on a Saturday night. And it went really well. It went really fucking well. And I got the same rush that I got from handing a fucking stolen credit card 
to a fucking complete stranger and trying to walk out of a store with merchandise. I was hooked. Like, first time. I was fucking hooked on stand-up. I loved it. I say all of that to say this. And I know this is a longest shit story, dude. So I go back to I go back to Tallahassee and after I cop my plea, I get a letter from Florida A and M saying that I'm now suspended from school because I committed a crime on campus. I violated the student um code of conduct. I could see them not being too happy well, about that. You know what? One could make an argument in their case. <laughs> <laughs> so they suspended me from school and I was to have an um, expulsion hearing. So this is the back end of January at this point and I'm out of school. I'm a writer on the campus paper. So kind of hard to write for the fucking paper if you're not allowed on school grounds. Like they literally, when they send you the suspension notice, they send you like a fucking Google map overhead of the with the blocked off borders huh. of cross this line and we'll fucking arrest you Jeez. type whatever i keep going to school for another two three weeks <laughs> i just I, I i was like no i because if i just never show up again everyone's gonna know i got arrested my reputation and i'm trying to figure out a way to not get expelled at this point because i can't get expelled because uh, like world is just fucking crumbling and comedy is the only thing i have that's keeping me sane I keep going to school and slow playing. I'm going to withdraw this semester. I'm talking to my professors about it. And, you know, yeah, just some stuff's going on at home. And, you know, I'm, I'm basically building a lie to protect my reputation. That probably takes about two weeks and I quit coming in. And the next week I get my fucking financial aid check. I get a fucking check in the mail for $9,000 that's supposed to pay for my classes for the semester. The classes which I'm no longer enrolled in. Whether you want to be or not. Exactly. Yeah. So I have this new love for comedy and I have a check for $9,000 and I'm going to jail in June. Fuck it. I'm doing comedy. So the $9,000 was, was basically front money for my comedy career. I took that money and I invested that. Um, at this point, I'm still riding the bus, so I'm I'm greyhounding it to gigs. I'm working Golden Corral, ten to fifteen hours, literally just enough so that when sentencing comes around, I can go. I'm gainfully employed. They don't ask you how many hours you clock. They just want to make sure some corporation trusts you right. around people. So I'm, I keep the job at Golden Corral, but. I spend the next five months on the road and I fucking did anything I want to goddamn do. Caleb Bacon. I fucking, I went hang gliding, horseback riding, fucking parasailing, just all kinds of just idiot shit. I would, I would take the Greyhound on Thursday. The open mic would be Friday or Saturday. Sunday would be a burn off day. Just doing some fuck shit in that town. And then I'd get back to town on Monday and I couldn't have been happier. I couldn't have been more alive the chick that I was dating at Golden Corral, she used to let me, um, either we would ride together or she would sometimes let me borrow her car and I would go to gigs down in Tampa. Like anything within, within eight hours of Tallahassee, I went to. What happened with jail? So I get to sentencing and they give me probation. That's it. Give me probation. They gave me, the sentence was five years probation, but it was eventually cut to two years because I, did everything I was fucking supposed to do. I remember like literally walking into like, dude, my fucking, 
my house was packed when I went to sentencing because I didn't even know if when you're sentenced, if you go to jail that day or do they give you, you know, like these fucking rich entertainers have to report to jail on to. Yeah. We yeah. sentence you on Monday. You must report next Thursday. I'd went to U-Haul. I'd boxed up my house. I'd talk with my mom and I already had made plans for, all right, if I, you know, all my homeboys and shit, I go, yo, here's the deal. If they give me some years, go to the crib, put my stuff in storage. Here's the money to pay for storage. And again, I'm still living off the $9,000. And they fucking gave me probation. And I say to the judge, I go, um, because they have the whole, you present your fucking case. And the prosecution goes, well, prosecutor, what do you recommend? Well, judge, I recommend three years because this sentence, da 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 da. And we talked with these people and they listed all the character references that I had given them. And these people, none of them recommended jail time. They were all disappointed in me, like my fucking high school baseball coach. So there was that. Then I get to speak and they go, well, what have you been doing? What have you learned since then? And I'm like, comedy. I'm doing comedy. It was fucking stupid to say at the time, but it was just honest. I was like, man, I found an outlet for what I want to do. It's something I should have been doing before. I spent the entire time that I've been out working at Golden Corral and doing comedy. I've been suspended from school. Um, I want to get back in school and finish my degree. Da 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 da. The judge was like, "All right, we sentenced this defendant to five years probation." Bam! And he bangs the gavel. When I go, first words out of my mouth. So this means I can keep doing comedy. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, "You can do whatever you want to do for as long as it's not at Dillard's. You're banned from Dillard's." <laughs> And I ran out the courtroom, man. I ran. I literally ran out the courtroom like a fucking freed slave. (laughs) (laughs) I ran. And the sun has never felt better on my face. And that that was a turning point in my life, man. Because that darkness and having comedy, that spurned everything. So, you know, I ended up, I was suspended for the whole year from school, but then I got reinstated. And that's and that's nothing short of a miracle because I should have been expelled. But, you know, the administrators and the staff and all those people at Florida A&M, man, they saw something in me, I guess. And they stuck with me. I know some my mom. My mom was an ex-student. My dad was an ex-professor. So maybe some of those people from the old days, somebody called in some favors I'll never know who, I'll never be able to thank them, but I know some people did because I know there were people trying to call in favors to get me expelled. That I know for a fact because I saw the emails. So there were people who did not want me there and people who fought harder. So I got back in school. I graduate. I did comedy the entire time I was in school. I condensed my classes to Tuesday through Thursday so that I could take the Greyhound. And my mom got me a car my junior year because she got tired of me sleeping in bus stations and shit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least you can sleep in a car and sleep at the airport where there's cameras and shit. Sleep at the police station. I'm like, no, bitch. I will not be anywhere near a police station on probation. That is not intelligent at all. That's part of why I don't do drugs, man. Because I like all the drug years, I spent the front half of college committing crimes that require you to be sober to pull them off properly 
And then I spent the back half of college on probation where if I had dirty piss, I was going to lose my travel privileges and lose stand-up. Right. So I just ne- never smoked weed, never snorted shit, mushroom, ecstasy. What a, a, literally, that's when I started drinking more. It was like, <laughs> I'm bored on the road. I guess I should drink. But I never wanted to be drunk. I never wanted to be high. I just never had a desire for it. And then when I finally was like, maybe I'll try. It's like, up oh, too late. That was kind of the journey for me into stand-up was going to that dark place and almost fucking my life over. And that was the journey, man. You know, I went to a dark place and getting arrested changed my life, man. It, it just I'm not telling people to go out and get arrested if they need motivation, but it's definitely when the chips are down is when you gain a lot more focus on what your goals are. And if that's where you are now, trust that because you'll never be more honest and real with yourself than when you're down. Because there's no reason to lie to yourself at that point. It's when you're up. That's when you lie because you're trying to stay up. But if everything's already gone to shit, you're not going to lie. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Class takeaways. Even if you're involved with something you know is not quite right, like credit card fraud, you don't always have to get in deeper. They're called bad guys for a reason. You don't have to wait when it comes to going after your dreams. Use life's rough spots and dark periods to motivate yourself. When you got some pain, it gives you an opportunity to find out who you really are and what you really want. When it comes to getting arrested, definitely go for the local charges over the federal charges. Roywood Jr.'s website is RoywoodJR.com. It's got links to plenty of his old hilarious prank calls, and you can get tour dates for where he's coming this summer for the Sullivan and Son Comedy Tour, which is alongside comics Steve Byrne, Ahmed Ahmed, and Owen Benjamin. Roy's on Twitter, at RoyWoodJR. there's a topic you'd like to hear covered on the show that's to do with your own experience, you can email manschoolshow at gmail.com or drop me a tweet at manschoolshow or at Caleb Eats Bacon. And hey, follow those accounts for a good time. Thanks to Shane LaRue for the background music. ShaneLaRue.com. Coming up next class is My Midlife Crisis. So I, I had this gnawing feeling that kept growing that there's more to life than this. Now, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Then I, And so finally, it, I didn't do it right away. Like you would in a movie, you get struck by lightning and you get out of the business. Uh, it took me over a year to kind of downsize out of it because I love the people I was working with. They were like family. And guys, don't keep your experiences to yourself. Just be honest with someone and get real. Man school, man school, man school, man school. And thank you for listening, Sullivan and Son fans. Don't forget to keep watching Sullivan and Son every Thursday night, 10 p.m., 9 p.m. Central, only on TBS, all summer long. And please check out the Sullivan and Son Comedy Tour coming to a town near you. Go to SullivanandSonComedy.com for information on tickets and tour dates. And also, don't forget to tweet your answer to the question of the week for a chance for two tickets to the Sullivan and Son Comedy Tour. Just tweet your answer to Caleb Eats Bacon on Twitter. That's Caleb Eats Bacon. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.